Today uh, we're reading from Mark 13. It seems we've talked a fair bit about end times lately. We're doing the revelation and things, but that's okay because we're in the end times. And actually the reason we talk about them a lot when you read the, the scriptures is because the scriptures talk a lot about Jesus' return. Uh, it's an important part uh, of our creeds, uh, of our beliefs. Uh, this life as we know it, it's not the end. Jesus will one day return. Um, I'm not going to read the whole passage uh, before we start. I'm just going to read it as we go today from Mark 13. And uh, you'll remember we're in the last week of Jesus' life uh, and he's in Jerusalem. And it seems that each night they go out to the Mount of Olives to camp for the night. And that means that each night they come out of the city down, down a quite steep incline through the valley and back up to the Mount of Olives, which, and from the Mount of Olives, you can see the um, temple, the Temple Mount, just opposite. But also, if you turn your head and you look the other way, you can see for miles right down to the Dead Sea. You're on quite a, a, a high mountain range. Now, as they were leaving the temple uh, this day, one of the disciples said to him, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, Jesus replied. No, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Now, the, uh, the foundation stones of the temple were something like, and I think I'm right in saying they were about 30 feet long. Uh, that's uh, metres, 10 metres, 9 metres roughly, by 3 or 4 metres or something like that. Imagine that's the foundation stones. They get smaller as they go up. And uh, perfectly carved stones. And, and Jesus said, not one of them will be uh, left standing. They'll all be thrown down. Now, I, what, I, what I wanted to say here is in this passage, sorry, Jesus is talking about the future. And he's talking about the future in probably about three different ways. He's talking about the immediate future for the disciples, uh, what would happen in Jerusalem, uh, the destruction of the temple that happened in 70 AD. What would happen for Christians and the church in the, in the age that we live in? That's three, and I'll give you the fourth one. Um, and the return of Christ at the end of that. So it's all a future passage. Now, he looks at these uh, stones and he says, not one will be upturned. Now, what actually happened in the end, you see, there was... An uprising in about 66 AD, uh, the Jewish, they call it the Jewish War against the Romans, and they actually managed to take over the Jews, Jerusalem again from the Romans. Uh, it was a fairly short lived uh, rebellion, but the zealots took over. Uh, and just to fulfill this bit, eventually um, when the Romans surrounded and they came into the city and they, st- and they well, they completely routed the Jews in 70 AD. Uh, but they, uh, the temple, which we said was uh, last the other week, was overlaid with gold. It was wood overlaid with gold. And when um, the uh, soldiers threw a firebrand into the temple, the wood caught a light. And what happened was that it burnt down, but all of the gold melted. And it melted and it run down deep into the gaps between the foundation stones of the temple. So when uh, it had all the rebellion was over, the Roman soldiers came and they wanted the gold. 
So they actually prized apart all of the stones of the foundations of the temple to get the gold back, uh, fulfilling the prophecy that Jesus had said. So then uh, as they've travelled to the other side, he said that this will all be torn down and he's sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple. Peter, James, John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when these things will happen. And what will be the sign that they're about to be filled? Um, they're talking particularly about uh, the destruction of the temple. Now, you would also remember that we said in the last few weeks from Mark that, because um, you always remember everything I say, that's what I mean, that the temple has been or is about to be replaced. The thought at the moment that the Jews could do without the temple is a crazy thought. They're all about the temple. How else do you come to know God except through the sacrifices? And where else do you pray? Uh, So the thought that the temple would be destroyed is a crazy one until they understand that the temple will be replaced by Jesus. So, but he said it's going to be destroyed and he answers them by, as I said, looking towards the immediate future, the destruction of the temple, the future church and the return of Christ, which is the whole chapter. Okay. Um, Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. Now, um, they're not quite sure on the Greek in this. Is, Is this people claiming to be Jesus or is this people coming in his name saying, I come in the name of the Lord? It doesn't really make much difference. Both are, both are present, uh, but uh, in, in every age, really. Um, but these are, there's, there are warnings, and he's going to go on to be more detailed about false teachers, uh, but there are, there are warnings about false teachers in basically every New Testament book. There might be one little one without it, like Philemon. Okay? That should tell us something, shouldn't it? What? There's a lot of false teachers and there always will be. And God had promised that, okay? So watch out, he says, so that no one deceives you. How do you uh, find out what the truth is so that you won't be deceived? The answer is by handling the truth, by handling the scriptures, by knowing the scriptures. At the end of the day, that's the only way to keep really safe from false teaching. Um, when, When I planted my chilli bushes, and I like growing chilies. There's this weed that is in Queensland. Um, it might be in South Australia too, but I just want to talk about it in Queensland. That, and, and I planted my chilies in this pot, ready to plant out. And they're about this high. And I took a photo of chilli plants and there's this weed in the middle. It is almost identical. The leaves are the same. They're the same colour, but the stem is just a little bit thinner and a little bit redder. Right. And um, this is no offence to Jody, but we weeded our chilli patch the other day and there's all the chilies that are standing about this high now, planted out, and, and Jody did a really good job breaking her back, weeding them. But in the middle of the chilli, she left one of these false plants right there. And, of course, I, knowing all things, spotted it straight away. No, <laughs> no that's not that I know all things. But the truth is I spend more time with chilli plants. Um, the more time you spend with the Word of God the more you will be able to see the false. Because the problem with the false is not that it's way out. If you say Jesus is a Martian, you go, what a load of rubbish. 
right? But if you have a slight twisting of the truth about who Jesus is, yeah, yeah, he came in the flesh, but he, he wasn't God on earth, say that very common theme for today, um, a slight twisting and you go, oh, okay, you've got to know your scriptures. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. When you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There, There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. Okay, there will be wars. What does it mean by rumours of wars? Well, I think there's a lot of rumours of war around our country at the moment. There's going to be a war. Um, I'm not saying there won't be. Do not be alarmed, is what he said. Why would we not be alarmed? Because he told us this was going to happen. Okay? So if we think, oh, there's wars, what's God doing? Well, he's doing what he said he'd do. Do you understand that? He told us this would happen. Don't be alarmed when you hear a rumour of a war and perhaps if war breaks out, don't be alarmed either. You see, the church is not those who believe that a new and better age for this life as we know it is just around the corner that humanity is going to get together and everybody's going to love each other and it's going to be great. We actually don't believe that. Jesus said there would be wars. And uh, you have to see in this passage the general thought that life on earth in the years to come is actually going to get worse. That's the general theme of Jesus in the New Testament. Okay, So we are not those who believe that humanity is going to get better and better and reach this place of full evolving where we've got it all together. That make sense? There will be earthquakes and famines. There will be natural disasters. The Bible speaks of these. And sometimes the Bible even speaks, it's kind of like the earth is reacting to the sin that's happening on it. You sort of get that feeling in in Romans 8. And that same earth and the plants of the field and everything will clap their hands with joy when the children of God be, uh, be revealed. But understand that these things, earthquakes, volcanoes, floods, droughts, uh, changing of the climate, heating up, uh, sea rise, whatever these things are, this is not Mother Nature. This is not a natural force. This is God bringing his judgments on the earth. And even these, which seem terrible, are actually just a foreshadow of the wrath which is to come. The wrath of God that will come upon sinful humanity who have rejected Jesus, who haven't trusted in their one way of salvation. These happenings, when you see these things happening, they remind us that we serve a holy God. They remind us that we must trust in Jesus. He's our only hope. The problem of this world is sin. We have all sinned. We are all guilty. There is one way of salvation through the grace and mercy. We're saved from our sins through Jesus. He's our only hope. When you see frightening things happen and frightening things will happen in our lives, remember Jesus because he is the only way. Okay. Jesus is bigger and more important than every disaster you will ever 
face or see on the TV screen or the internet or whatever you, wherever you see it. Do you understand that? He is more important because faith in him carries us through those hardships. Now, I'm just going to justify myself briefly here because I get told that I'm always talking about negative stuff. I'm depressing. <laughs> depressing. Is this depressing stuff we're talking about again? Shouldn't we keep Christianity on the up and up, as they say? Well, the up and up that Jesus speaks about is heaven and uh, actually the up and up he speaks about is judgment day. And the up and up he speaks about is the wrath to come. These are the good things because we have a holy and righteous God who saves. Do you understand? If we are saying we should just uh, keep things on the fluffy and the nice, then you have to basically disregard most of Jesus' teaching. Is that true? Yes. Right. And also notice this. This is the longest piece of teaching in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus wants us to know these things clearly. Uh, If we don't, we will become deluded. You see, what we will aim for and, and what the Western world is very good at deluding itself in is creating heaven on earth now. And that will never be. How do I know that? Because Jesus said, until he returns. Okay, if you do not put your trust in Jesus, there will be no heaven. Then Jesus goes on to speak about persecutions of Christians. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say what is given to you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Now, Jesus is stepping further into the future now the future of where we live, the persecutions within the church in history. Um, We should never be surprised that persecution happens for Christians. Okay? We should never expect a safe run as Christians. We should not expect supportive government for Christians. Do you believe that? as we aim for our Bill of Religious Rights or whatever, okay? Often when a nation, a secular nation, supports and protects Christians, it actually supports a twisted and deceptive Christianity, not the true Christianity. Do you understand? Which can be more dangerous than the persecution. You'll have to think about that one because you look confused. If a nation protects a Christianity, often it is a, a, a twisted Christianity that it's protecting because the devil and the world are not interested in protecting the truth of God. They're not. It will not be the true Jesus that they proclaim. 
The gospel will be preached to all nations in the power of the Holy Spirit to the ends of the earth. It is incredible when you think that there's a church in Dirrambandi. Really? How does that happen? We're we're worshipping a man who lived and was killed and we believe rose from the dead 2,000 years ago on the other side of the world and here we are as a group of believers. The miracle and the, of the truth of the church is the fact that it's even here, isn't it? That's the Holy Spirit. He is speaking and taking the word of the gospel out through people to the ends of the earth. And in his grace, he will save people from every tongue and tribe and nation and race. So do not fear these persecutions. Know that the Holy Spirit will keep us safe. In fact, know this, he won't just keep us safe. Even if we die, by the way, he'll keep us safe. But he will give us words to say as we go that will bear witness to Jesus. We won't necessarily escape uh, the persecution with, with our lives, but the good news will go out to the ends of the earth. And there will be betrayal even in families, because of Jesus. Christians will be hated. If we expect to be warmly welcomed because we're Christians, if we expect to be loved, we're actually kidding ourselves. And again, if the church really wants to be loved from the world, it needs to dumb down the message of the gospel. Then we can be loved. We can just make it a whole lot more palatable and everybody will love us. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. You hear that? Standing in the gospel of Jesus Christ to the end, you will be saved. And then Jesus warns about a strange event. When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Okay, now this is not talking about an event that happens in Dirrambandi because it's talking about those who are in Judea. Actually, uh, those around Jerusalem. You see, there was, this was spoken of, this abomination that causes desolation before in Scripture and it was fulfilled, uh, like it was spoken of and predicted by the person of Daniel and, uh, and that came to be fulfilled in, uh, in the time before Christ where, um, you know, they uh, did false worship within the temple. But Jesus is saying, yes, there was that. But it actually, often prophecy is fulfilled now and in the future again and it, and it comes to pass. And, and what happened, you know, I told you about the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Well, what happened before that is that... As I say, the Jews took over Jerusalem. By the way, we're talking 33 years after Jesus spoke these words. So not that long. A lot of people were alive in this time. The zealots, they won back Jerusalem, but it was obviously they, obviously they couldn't hold off the Romans. And um, a terrible chief priest was installed and the zealots, who were basically murderers protecting Jew, the Jews, actually were wandering about in the temple. They even committed murders within the temple. And uh, it was said at the time of a high priest called Ananus who said, who was retired, 
and he looked at what was happening and he said this, it would, be, have, would have been far better for me to have died before I'd seen the house of God laden with such abominations and its unapproachable and hallowed places crowded with the feet of murderers. He's saying the, the temple has become an abomination. Now, at that time, Christians who were living in Jerusalem remembered what Jesus had said. And there was this short period of time where they could escape Jerusalem. And, and remembering what Jesus had said, that's what they did. And they run for the mountains, but they thought, because you see Jerusalem's in a mountain range, and they thought, well, it doesn't mean this mountain range. So they went to a mountain range uh, in the area called Pella, about 90 k's away. They heard the words of Jesus and they escaped. Then the city of Jerusalem was surrounded. It was completely routed and most people died. That would have been a terrible journey for those who were pregnant and those who had young children. And Jesus said this, let no one on the, on the housetop go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back and take their cloak. How dreadful it will be for those in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter because those days will be of distress unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. The destruction of Jerusalem was horrific. The, the murder and the, uh, uh, the, the just, uh, yeah, it's, it's a horrible part of history to read about. The temple was destroyed. By the way, did I, we mention that the temple is now unnecessary? Why? Because Jesus said, in three days I'll tear down that temple and I'll build it up again. I'll tear down, I'll make a, what happened at the temple? I'll make a sacrifice that will restore you to God and it will become a house of prayer where you can truly come to God in spirit and in truth and know him through what? His body. That's the part that counts, through his body. We don't need a mountain in Israel anymore. We need Jesus. So what do we need to do? We keep our hearts pure to the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay. Verse 20. If the Lord had not cut those days short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen... He has shortened these days. Okay. That's good news. If he hadn't shortened the days, no one would have survived. It's going to get worse, but it's not going to be get that worse where everybody's killed. For the sake of the elect. You know what the elect means? The elect means chosen. When you elect someone you chose, for God's chosen people, they will survive. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is a Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I've told you everything ahead of time. He's saying, did you read that bit, false wonders? They'll, hang on. He'll perform, false prophets will perform signs and wonders. Do you know what that means? That not every miracle that you see comes from God. And it's very easy to try and deceive God's people with shows of power. 
It's, who else could do this wondrous thing but God? No. Be on your guard. I've told you everything ahead of time. I've given you warning about this ahead of time for a reason, so that you might know and recognise these things. The devil is always serving up false teachers, false prophets, false messiahs. Who's he serving them up to? The church. Yep. He doesn't want to lead astray. The, the blokes in the pub, he's not interested in. He, they, he's happy with where they're at. False doctrines are brought before the people of God. Often the most dangerous ones are, as I said before, slight twisting to the truth or just simply distractions. The amplification of the tiny things, little laws, to a place where they shouldn't be as compared to the heart of the truths of God, the character of God, the nature of God, the power and sovereignty of God, what he's done for us through Jesus, the fatherhood of God, yeah, the Holy Spirit. These are the, these are the rich doctrines, but to take each of those and twist them, that's how the devil loves to work. Okay. Don't let those things be brought into question. Know them. Then we can have a true assurance. Because, by the way, did you notice? To deceive the elect, if that were possible. Lucky for us, God's the one who holds us, not we're holding on to him. He will keep his people safe. But that doesn't mean that we uh, just puddle along because he said, I've told you this ahead of time for a reason, that you might fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, that you might stay close to him, that you might study his truth. At this point, uh, Luke adds uh, one more verse in and he says, when you see these things take place, when you see all this happening, stand up, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Isn't that so encouraging? When you see all these places become, when you see all this stuff taking place, this horrible stuff, he didn't say, dig a big hole, bury a shipping container in it, and fill it up with baked beans so that you can hide. Okay? Don't become preppers. When you see these things take place, stand up, lift up your heads, for your redemption is drawing near. Yep. Those baked beans are only going to last for a year or two. And I tell you, if you're going to be in a shipping container eating just baked beans, it's going to be bad. Okay, just so you know. Uh, But our redemption that's drawing near, that will be everlasting and that will be awesome. Run towards him. See that? If a cyclone's coming and there is a sure, safe cyclone shelter over there, Right? Don't go and build a treehouse in preparation. Run over there. There's a place that's safe. It's Jesus. He is our rock and our redeemer. Don't run anywhere else. The false messiahs will, be, will appear. Don't be fooled. When Jesus returns, you'll know it. Like lightning is seen from the east to the west, you will know the return of Jesus. And that's where Jesus goes now. But in those days, to the second coming. To those days, 
Following that distress, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the earth, uh, the stars will fall from the sky, the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels to gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Okay, you're not going to miss that bit, okay? You're not going to wake up and say, oh, gee, did Jesus come back? No, you're going to know it. Everybody will see it. He will return in his cloud of glory. He will send his angels to collect his chosen from the four corners of the earth. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. He's saying, have a look at the signs. You know when the weather starts to change, when the nights get longer, when the nights get cooler, you know that summer's coming to an end. That's the time we're in now. You you know it. Read the signs. When you see all these other things happening that he's been speaking about, know it's coming. You'd be foolish if you heard all of this and you didn't prepare for it, wouldn't you? This generation will certainly not pass away. That's confused people. The word there, uh, which is the word in Greek, genia, where we get a like a generation, but it's also the same word as race, ethnic race, or um, a group of people that have a common ancestor, that type of people. And he's saying, bear in mind, the Jews, that's who he's talking about here, the Jewish race will not pass away before this comes. Now, if you look at history, there might be times where you might think, I think the Jewish race might pass away now, but don't worry, it won't happen until Jesus returns. Okay. When will Christ return though? Does anybody know the hour or the day? No. You can be really sure of when Jesus won't return, by the way, whenever someone makes a prediction that it's going to happen that day. That's when you know he's not going to come back. It might be the next day or the day before, but not that day. But about the day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when the time will come. It will be like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If, if he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. That's been throughout that whole passage, hasn't it? Watch. Be alert. Look at the signs. Take notice. And he said, you have been warned. When you see those things, look up, stand up, hold up your heads. Your redemption's drawing near. Put your confidence in him alone. We will see these things in our lifetime. We may or may not see the end. We might be alive 
when Jesus returns. Do you believe that? Do you know that's more important than if there's World War III? Yep. Right. And true, we can't get away. It will be difficult in those times if we are those who care for others. But we do know that God is with us and we do know that he cares for us and we do know, actually, he's saying in these times, you have the opportunity to bear witness to me, to the nations. We do know that we must have patient endurance. We live in an age which is between the resurrection of Jesus and the return of Jesus. And he said, this is what that age will look like. That's what history will look like. Okay. Jesus told the people about how to get out of a deadly situation in Jerusalem. Yeah? When they're surrounded, go at this time. Take your opportunity. Leave. And they did. Know this. He will take us out a deadly path through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He will take us through impossible situations, through death and to eternal life with him. Jesus will return. This will happen. Sometimes we can think, oh, that's going to be maybe 100, 1,000 years away and it might be next week. Do you understand this? Okay. What does this mean for us? What is the return of Jesus? What does this care take? I tell you, this should give us a different perspective of this world, of our lives, of eternity. The things that we think and give great time and effort and thought to are actually shown to be trivial by the return of Christ. Is that true? The things of eternal life are at stake and we get overcome sometimes with the very small, which this world say is most important. The Western world has mastered the art of worshipping very temporary, temporary, trivial things. Think about that next time you spend $100 on your slow-closing toilet seat. Okay? Um, Think about your lives. Think about the importance and think about the trivial. Consider how we spend our money. Consider how we spend our time. How we... How, we, how much we use our phones even. No, don't leave that, stay that the same. But think about our words. Think about the time you spent with your family, with your children, those with young children, okay? It's, it's great. We spend a lot of time and effort on schooling. We spend a lot of time and effort on toys and holidays and so on. Spend more thought and effort and time teaching them about Jesus, which is eternal. Do you understand what I'm saying? Think about where you spend your thoughts and passions and your hopes because, you see, the return of Christ means that all of these things are shown to have a more important base in him. Reorient the way that your world is because you know where it's heading. And if you know the end, you know, sorry to be trivial about the slow-closing toilet seat, you know that's got... That's not important, is it, in the things of God? When Jesus returns, you won't be thinking about that. 
There's more than that. We don't know the hour or the day that he'll return. It will happen. He will return. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. There is where our hearts are given. There is where our lives are given. There is the most important thing of all. Let's pray. Father, I pray that from um, this message that Jesus gave to us from Mark 13 today, that you would shake us from our sleep, that you would shock us with the complacency that has overcome us and that you would help us to see the deep importance it is that it is everything to us. The new foundation stones that can't be shaken, that is Jesus. That is your love. That is your grace, your sovereignty, who you are and your plans for all things. Shake us, Father, that these would become our centre and everything else would be shown to what it is, for what it is, that we would live with it. But, Father, that we would have you at the centre. I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict us of sin, the sin of putting things before you. And I pray that you would show us once again that all that we have is in the righteousness that's come to us through Jesus Christ, your Son. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.